Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Leaders in Supply Chain podcast. I am your host, Radu Palamaryu, Global Supply Chain Practice Head for Morgan Phillips Executive Search. Today, I'm excited to have with us Brad Hollister, CEO of Swanleap. Swanleap is the number one company on the 2018 Inc. 5000 fastest growing private companies in the US. Its revenue has jumped from $110,000 in 2013 to $100 million in 2017. And this year, they're likely to break the $500 million mark. This pretty much makes them among the fastest growing startups actually worldwide. Through their rapidly deployed custom implementation of next generation transport management system and auditing services, Swanleap is using artificial intelligence and machine learning to automate many of the manual roles in the company's supply chain. This way, they are providing supply chain managers, decision makers, and entire companies with comprehensive, actionable insights into supply chain logistics and costs, and obviously, they're generating significant savings. Headquartered in Madison, Wisconsin, Swanleap brings unprecedented clarity and control to a fragmented shipping market through a proprietary machine learning platform that curates cost-effective and personalized supply chain recommendations in real time across all transportation modes to improve connections between sender, receiver, and carrier. A few words now about Brad. So he's the chief executive officer of Swanleap, and under his leadership, obviously, the company has delivered an unprecedented 75,660% growth in revenue, which is just mind-boggling in the last three years. He's a lifelong entrepreneur, passionate about passionate about technology and the, and the industry. And then he's, he's also obviously a visionary um, around next generation technology. With extensive experience in transportation, logistics and supply chain, his leadership and institutional expertise have solidified Swan Leap's position as the leading provider of end-to-end transportation technology. He is a guest lecturer for the Wisconsin School of Business at the University of Wisconsin-Medicine, as well as a sought-after speaker on the advancement and disruption of the transportation industry. Moreover, he is a proud alumnus of the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. Brad, pleasure to have you with us today, and thank you for joining. Thank you, Radu. Super. So before, but let's let's just take uh, take a moment before we start talking about Swanleap, which obviously a lot of our audience and most of the people listening to us are extremely excited. Let's talk a little bit about the startup you had before that, because uh, I I was reading that you had sunk about 200k of your own money into the company, had landed a huge client, um, basically were close to signing a two million venture capital fund, and then uh, a capital round. And then basically you kind of shifted gears and you decided to go for Swanley. But, you know, what, what was the story be, uh, around that? Well, uh, I had been working for a, a very small 3PL that was pretty late to the game in the online brokerage business. Um, that was kind of um, in uh, like 2010 era, era when people were starting to have some success in the freight brokerage um, business online. and. I saw a way to completely automate that automate that entire um, job by basically connecting shippers and, and carriers and brokers all together in a marketplace. And um, that was a pretty nice technology. It worked really, really well. And what we realized is that um, there's a major disconnect from what, from what is actually happening to what people perceive the, the solution to be. So we made a really nice solution that no one really wanted connecting uh, shippers up with empty trucks. What I learned through that process is that there are no such thing as empty trucks. Trucks don't drive empty. They find loads on the way back. I mean, for the most part, and and they they basically wholesale themselves through channels such as 3PLs or other load boards to find loads if if a driver is truly in a in a dead a dead lane a dead haul lane. And what we also found is that shippers don't necessarily want extra work in going to an extra website or or um, typing in things manually to just wait for a two or three hundred dollars savings in a truck by maybe finding something on the market. So we were solving a need that we, we we found out we were solving a need that really no one had, and it worked well. Um, the, the large client was using it and it was working well. They were saving a few hundred dollars by basically automating the the role of the three PL. But what we found was that a certain slice of the of the market is interested in that. And it's not the large companies that um, have negotiated uh, multi-year contracts with carriers that have um, load planning departments that have made commitments on their volume 
um, to carriers and actually don't want a lot of new um, foreign carriers or, or unknown carriers into their dock. So um, that was what we we had been really surprised to learn was just how powerful and ingrained supply chain from a plan, from a negotiated, committed contract perspective, loaded into a table and the table just basically um, dictating the output. That's really how supply chain business works. Despite the fact there's, since since Freight Access, since we rolled it up and we actually were able to sell some of the source code to another uh, technology company that's um, using it now uh, to do something slightly different. Um, a lot of people have been onto this. It seems to be what all the new quote unquote disruptors are, are, are focused on. And I just know that's not how the market works. Of course, they're gonna find a few companies interested in doing pilots, but it's not gonna be sustainable because there's a there's you know potentially hundreds of thousands of supply chain planners out there that have already committed a plan and a budget and a and a volume and everything else um, to a to their carrier network and um, it, it isn't we have found the opposite that a freight marketplace is what the market wants. Yes, yes, and from there, I mean from there, how was uh, how how did Swan Leap came about? How was uh, how did you kind of Pivot or maybe not pivot, but actually change altogether and 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 lead into Swan Leap. Well, um, kind of backing up before, just before Swan Leap, we had actually gained interest from a number of the original Echo investors in Chicago um, after Echo went public, and these guys got um, flush with a, a bunch of cash. Um, they were looking at the next this big thing, and so uh, they were eager to throw money at this new idea of freight access being the next the next. Um, frontier but at the same time we were hearing that the idea um wasn't working on the street but yet the investors wanted to invest in it and at this point i i am i can't pay for my groceries and my family so what do i do um pretty difficult um dilemma i'm in to take money that i i know is going to be a mistake or um uh, not take the money and, and go on broke so that's that's exactly what i did um and so you know, we were trying to find uh, the, the path forward in what uh, the market wanted, trying to make a living. Um, and so we found a customer with a simple problem. He needed ability to dynamically decide, you know, using the first version of our AI to determine how to make a parcel shipment. And he was willing to pay us about, I think, about six or $7,000, which seemed like uh, a lot of money uh, back then and um to make this technology we actually asked for 12 and he said no i'm going to pay you six or seven i don't remember what it was and mm. we said okay we'll take it. we'll take it <laughs> and, yeah when you have, when you have so, nothing it's good yeah <laughs> we, yeah so so we made a technology that's still in use today the first version and that is the order comes into our system um and then we will actually uh shop against fedex ups post office dhl and the regional parcel carrier in the Midwest named Speedy Delivery, we will return a rate, return a label, return a tracking number, and they will in turn send that to the store that has inventory. And then um, from there, that, that store can balance its inventory and ship out with the optimal shipping method. The result of that project um, was a 50-50% savings in shipping costs for that small retailer. And I say small, um, they're small. There's uh, just under 40 stores, but they have 900 employees. I mean, it's not a, it's not a mom and pop shop, but it, it, it you know, in, in the grand scheme of a national retailer, it's still uh, relatively small. So, it was a nice project with a little complexity, um, to really launch uh, our our vision, um, of complete automation in the in the um, market, but also expanding the role of the transportation management system TMS. Um, expanding the role beyond what the market has determined the function to be. Um, one of the big problems of, the, of our industry is that uh, a TMS has a, a very um, defined role in someone's supply chain. You load your business rules, you load, load your rates, the order comes in, you apply your business rule, and then you apply the rate and, um, and make a shipment. And at that point, a label spits out, whether it's a bill of lading or whether it's a, you know, um, a label for a small parcel shipment, and it's over. Um, they, they maybe write it back to the ERP that the order shipped, and, and that's it. Manifest it to the carrier or send it to the carrier, 
and the sh that is all that a TMS does. We believe that a TMS has a much bigger role, and that's what Swan Leapway had started to do um, with our first client named Rogan Shoes in Steen, Wisconsin. Um, the job of the TMS was to make a smart decision, but then also communicate to the customers what, you know, hey, it's coming, here's a tracking number, updates along the way, but then also give the financial data back to them so that we could actually validate the charges on the invoice. Um, we can provide the analytics in real time um, and, and really get them paid, um, you know, properly um, along in, in conjunction with what the plan is. And when things, we start to find out invoices are wrong, we can, we can start to identify why in the operation something's happening to cause charges to be um, higher than normal. So that, that goes for both inbound and outbound. By expanding that artificial decision-making capability um, in, into the, the purchasing decision on your inbound freight, it not only cuts costs, but it also provides a visibility um, of all the shipments and orders that are coming into you, when they're going to be there. And now it has widespread implications of operations getting involved, production getting involved, um, purchasing to start to score and validate vendor performance, um, and even salespeople to start to understand shipping costs for the first time. So the, the role of this, of our technology, truly expands within the company to provide end-to-end -end visibility of um, vendors, customers, carriers, um, and, and helps customer service do a better job. And it, it just is endless in what the value that it brings of information. Mm. And I'll, I'll just I'll just jump in with a with a question, kind of to to continue on what you've been uh, you've been sharing, because I think you you also man mentioned in terms of among the benefits of using the Swan Leap that you've estimated uh, an annual average transportation savings for your clients of twenty six point seven percent which is very, very accurate and, and I mean, very specific. Um, tell us a little bit about more, uh, more about this. Firstly, how, I mean, how kind of you average it, it out and, and 26.7%, I mean, that's huge. I mean, it's, it's almost, you don't need, you don't need salespeople, right? It's, uh, you know, if you put such numbers in front of any client, typically they would want that type of a saving. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I, I'd love the financial, um, the financial professionals that might be listening to think about it. Also the 26.7% is in a different way. Um, if you're a $1 billion company, um, you're probably spending around um, $80 million on freight if you're a manufacturer. I mean, it, it's, it's not a fair assessment, but it's really not far off either. Okay. Maybe it's 70 million, maybe it's 110 million. Let's hope it's not that high, but um, that's, that's common. It's very common. Depends on the industry, of course, but common. Well, and an $80 million freight spend, we're talking about cutting a little more than a quarter of that, right? So we're talking about cutting $20 million. Now, that's equivalent to maybe in many industries, like a $100 million purchase order that just came in on the, on the email or just came in. Now, if a $100 million PO came in um, to a billion-dollar company, I'm pretty sure that everyone in the company would hit the brakes and service and really service that customer's $100 million PO. And that's, just, that's a, the equivalent of what we're talking about, uh, is cutting, you know, $100 million PO with a 20% profit margin, you're, you know, you, the company would make $20 million. Um, but, you know, oftentimes we don't get the same attention when we start talking about adding efficiency. Um, we visited a, a snowmobile manufacturer up in uh, Minnesota, and there's only a couple up there, so we can kind of guess who that might be. But we looked at just the garment division alone, and they were shipping about $30 million. And of the $30 million, the majority of the shipments were hitting minimum charges. Now, they didn't really have a mechanism for shopping freight against parcel. We know by looking at the data that we could probably have saved that company about 50% on those shipments by moving, by integrating um, small parcel 100-weight product with the – instead of the multi um, – the um, the minimum freight shipments. So we that's a good example of when you start to take AI and start to consider all possible options in the market. That is how savings happen. It's we can't possibly decide arbitrary lines in the sand, such as anything over three hundred pounds or or maybe over a hundred kilos is gonna ship this way or that way. I mean we don't have enough data points in our mind to possibly make that kind of business rule yet every company in the world makes business rules that way. We met with a major, major, major pharmaceutical company um, who ship 
just just a ridiculous amount of of packages and um they had we had been talking to them about dynamically shopping between the post office and 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 the 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 core carriers in in the US and talked about how we would decide which one needs to be refrigerated which has dry ice maybe so that can't go post office or whatever and how we're going to go ahead and make the post office decisions on on shipment versus uh, FedEx UPS the difference between a post office shipment and FedEx or UPS shipment for them was probably about 60% in some on some shipments because post office doesn't have density um billing it doesn't have many of the different charge uh, structures that FedEx and UPS have the 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 team at the evaluating a solution was concerned that we wouldn't be able to help them stay within their UPS and FedEx tier their volume tier and they said well if we shift all this volume away we're going to be stuck in the tier uh, we, I'm sorry we're going to miss our volume commitments with FedEx and UPS and i said but why would you arbitrarily put that volume in FedEx and UPS as core when the right decision is to choose the post office so it's not a matter of fixing the package to meet your commitment it's a matter of fixing your commitment to meet your package if you're shipping a lot of big packages and they're going you know and they, and they don't need some of the um special services that UPS and FedEx offer is is truly going to FedEx and UPS the right decision i mean that's a business decision to make but i can show the financial decision based on the service commitment you've made to your customer might be a different provider in that case you need to ship with the optimal provider and forego the 1 or 2% difference in your volume tier in exchange for um maybe a 20 or 30% cost reduction in that package so i know i went in the weeds a little bit there with a little technical but that's a good example by taking the data uh, artificial intelligence can make the proper recommendation every single time on how to ship a package in most cost effectively a most cost effective manner but yet still report back um what the impact of that was so that's one of my favorite things that we're doing now is looking at showing the financial impact of decisions that were made or decisions that could have been made based on an order so we're doing this before this package ships in some cases in other cases we're doing it after um and i said package but i mean freight in general package or freight we could show if i was going to consider this provider this new provider what would it have cost me and how much would i have truly saved or overspent um and with the same service so service is very important in this discussion uh, of course we're not we're not in, um mandating or endorsing just low cost low cost low cost but if we if we set our service standards internally and, and communicate those to our organization then we can choose the the optimal method of shipping something whether it's a small parcel uh, a domestic freight shipment or even an international ocean or air shipment as long as we're communicating and and we all know internally what the service requirement is we can find the best option that meets that service standard so that that yeah. is really where the savings yeah. of swami come in we're not here to offer rates we're not here to offer um any any whiz bang thing that's maybe outside the ordinary other than some of the commitments that a company may have made may have not been in their best interest and we could give provide visibility to that for the first time yes but i'm i'm just you know i'm, I'm i just have to ask this and again i mean i'm not a technical person myself but it seems like a, such an obvious thing but you know still so many people are not doing it so many companies are not doing it and also artificial intelligence is a great tool but in in reality a lot of companies don't have proper data don't have visibility on data so what would be some of the key challenges and stumbling blocks that you you kind of face and why not more companies are basically implementing the, the type of solutions that you I mean uh, Swanlee let's take it Swanlee Well the biggest problem is I think is um it it's not a valid problem but it's probably here all the time is that IT resources are thin I we understand that IT resources are thin and every company out there in the world but we're talking about what we're talking about here fundamentally changes the industry and I'm sorry changes the the company's position within their respective industry the level of service that our customers can provide to their customers is is so much higher than the competition um and they have a temporary window of opportunity to excel buying from our new customer is better than buying from their competitor because of the communication because of the decision because of the way that they are able to better manage their vendors um it's all very very important 
Um, so the we hear a lot of times, and probably my biggest, my most frustrating comment um, from uh, that we hear an obstacle is, uh, yeah, we're getting a new ERP next year, so we're gonna just kind of wait until that happens. I mean, that is the the more short-sighted. If that isn't proof that someone truly doesn't understand the impact of what we're talking about, and maybe we failed on our side of, of explaining the impact, but we hear that a lot, and I find that very frustrating as an obstacle because if they truly saw the industry through our lens, I mean, we would pay for three or four new ERPs for them next year. I mean, if this was a $100 million PO, the whole company would stop in a billion-dollar company, um, and, and they would take notice and service that. And we're literally offering um, companies in the world the same kind of uh, returns as that. And, um, and and it's not just the money returns. It's also the how they communicate and have better vendor relationships, how they have better customer relationships. So um, complacency is our biggest obstacle. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I don't, I don't know how to um, get through that sometimes, but I think our, our feeling is just, we kind of give the opportunity. And if there's not uh, immediate interest, maybe we can uh, come back to the person in a year because chances are um, what usually happens when we hit the complacency is when we come back in a year, that person is no longer with the company. Yes, <laughs> that, that is true. And that's, that is absolutely true. It's, it's really funny. Um, and and let's, let's just, I mean, I just want to, to, deep, uh, to go a little bit deeper also on the artificial intelligence side and on the data side and on the, I mean, do you find also that from a company's perspective, from a manufacturer perspective, retailer perspective, I mean, do they always have the data ready for you guys to plug it in and, and plug it in through the, your systems? I mean, is that also a kind of a fundamental issue that you face that sometimes some of these guys just don't have the enough, um, I don't know, digital data, enough accurate data, enough um, enough information for you guys to run it through your systems in the best way? Or is that that's not really a problem that you face? Well, I mean, <clears throat> it depends what the infrastructure is right now. I mean, um, it's safe to say that every company out there is is has a system of some sort. Um, we're probably not after the someone so small they don't have any any technical infrastructure at all. So somebody ha everyone has some system. The hardest system for us to pro integrate with would be like a homegrown system or like an AS four hundred system. But if if someone's using a one of the leading technologies out there, that's like a, a couple of days for us to integrate and do the file exchanges. It's not even the coding at this point. It's the testing that takes us time. Um, if someone has a technology already, and maybe they were a leader and innovator and bought a technology in 2000 or 2001 when all of our competitors seem to have been born, um, for us to unplug that solution and just plug us in is the, one of the sweetest things out there because we don't have to get the IT department super involved. We can typically use the same file schema, the same data matching that we've already um, that they're already using, and we'll just accept that, and then we'll we'll migrate that to our database and and allow the systems to talk smoothly. And in many cases, they can actually run two systems concurrently. They can they can kind of pilot and de and demo the the SwanLeap system, or or roll it out and train some people on the SwanLeap system within their organization uh, for executing shipments while maybe at one location still using the old software and and so it, it works really well um but to us the, the biggest obstacle there is homegrown systems um to, are hard for us to integrate with because they they they're usually not done to the proper standards mm, got it and who would you say that are your main targeted customers i mean you mentioned you mentioned healthcare companies. You mentioned, you know, retailers. You mean, are, are, are there certain, I mean, criteria that you have for, you know, your ideal type of uh, type of customers? And you've touched upon some, but you know, just to kind of go a little bit deeper. Well, um, is that that's something our marketing department wrestles with every day because, you know, if a new CFO comes into his position or a new controller, um, it, it takes them a little bit of time to uh, get comfortable with the environment, but ultimately somebody new in the position, they really want to make an impact. And so they really want to drive costs. They like our message. It, it resonates with them. And, you know, three to six months into a, a job, a new controller, um, he or she would love to get their hands on us because they know that we're going to give them uh, a greater level of visibility and, and, and responsibility and accountability um, than what they probably have uh, currently or what they have currently for sure. 
Um, so financial folks are really good for us. Um, sometimes IT folks are good too because um, maybe the system they have, you know, crashed last year during this peak season. That happens all the time. You wouldn't believe it, Radu. Um, imagine shipping out 80,000, 80, 100,000 packages on, with a software that someone paid a quarter million dollars for that resides on a on one single PC on the floor of a warehouse. And, and you start running 80,000, 100,000 packages a day through that, you know, the thing's going to start smoking. Um, on the floor there and then you know clearly they can't have any data as a result of it because you couldn't accumulate that much data for that much time on a single machine you need to do that over many 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 servers so the systems like our competitors are designed to literally dump the data at the end of the of the transaction so um yeah i mean it it, it definitely varies it's um it's seldom the shipping people surprisingly that want us want this level of visibility in fact, the level, this level of visibility down to who made a shipment or who executed a shipment or who designed this, who who approved this contract, that's kind of scary for some folks. Um, that in, in a certain in a bureaucratic um, organization with many different divisions and locations, I mean, we still find that most most structures like that, one division doesn't want to share their freight rates with a different division because they want to, they think they got good rates and they want to make, they want to look better than the other division leaders. So. Swan Leap truly starts to iron all that out and provide that global visibility across many countries, across many, um, you know, many different uh, divisions, and and it, and give companies the data they need to run their company. Uh, it's it, it's very interesting what you just mentioned. Actually, it's a and it's a common it's a common problem, right? I mean, it's um, mm -hmm. that's why typically you know if you sell if you sell this type of solutions, uh, you know what you mentioned in terms of going to the CFO makes the most sense because the person will only keep, I mean will primarily care about the big picture objectives of saving cost will not care so much about the politics involved um, whilst if you go to actually the kind of uh, no-brainer type of users at the end of the day that would most be impacted in a positive way there's all sorts of politics and other implications within the organization where they might actually be your uh, be obstructed literally to, to to get in so um, yeah, you need to pick your battles, don't you? I mean, you need to go to the right person and to the right to the right stakeholder within the organization. Um, you and know, uh, one, one note on that. One note on that, if I might add. I mean, there's another there's another problem that we can come across, and that is really really weak um, executive leadership, because the executive can look at this and go, "This makes total sense." And how much does it cost? Oh my gosh, you mean we make money from this every month? Your ROI is every month we make money on this? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. You'll, you're making money month one with our system. Um, so he's all excited or she's all excited, and they go, yeah, great. I can't wait to get my shipping people involved. And I start to kind of say, oh, well, don't expect the same level of excitement. And they say, no, 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 you don't understand our shipping people. Well, guess what happens? Let me just pass you off to Radu and shipping. He's going to be all over this. And guess what? Radu doesn't start showing up to calls anymore. And and, yeah. that, and and that happens all the time too. Where if the executive doesn't stay involved in this and mandate this almost as this visibility, we get a lot of complacency from the from maybe a shipping person that has been. He might have an MBA from one of the finest supply chain schools in, in the world, but when he starts to say, "Wow, this this starts to kind of make our whole shipping process not so magical and not so hidden," and yeah, our purchasing manager who's not a very nice guy, he can now see what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is a good thing for us or my career. It's not yes. suddenly, suddenly they have the recipe to my job and, uh, and, and we get that a lot too. And, and it's really sad. You know, we, we still see organizations where one, one division, it books a truckload and the trucker calls the division to cancel because a different division books it, that same truck at a higher rate. That actually happens. And yes. so, um, it, it's um, we need the executives to stay involved and see this all the way through, especially, especially like a president or CEO of a two to five, ten billion dollar company. They can't push this on their supply chain people, even though I know it makes sense to do that and they want to. They have to stay involved to make sure that this actually gets executed because leaving it in the hands of the people that it affects the most sometimes is dangerous. Yes, no, and and actually, it's almost all the time dangerous. 
um, very, very few are very strong leaders and, and visionary leaders. They mostly also care about, you know, safety and security and future. And will I still have my job if I do all this automation and artificial intelligence and whatnot? And I'll give you and share with you another example of a, of a friend of mine who runs a, who runs a, without mentioning names, but he runs an IT digitalization type of a platform software as a, as a service, but he's more on the IT side. But he never, never goes to the CIO. He never goes to the IT folks. He always sells to the CEO. Because unless the CEO pushes it, the CIO will never push it because the CIO's uh, mandate and agenda will will not be to give that type of visibility, that type of um, uh, strength to the organization. And potentially, well, he would have to reduce his staff because all of a sudden he would not need so many, and he, he just wouldn't do it. So unless uh, my my friend's problem was that unless he got to the CEO, he knew that with the CIO he would never be able to push it through. So it's. Um, Mm, yeah, it's a. I think it's a common problem. Actually, it's a common problem that at the end of the day you need to you need to get that executive that's ultimately responsible for the PNL and for what matters in the business ultimately, right? The PNL and not uh, yeah. you know so so concerned about career and 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 God knows what um, to 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 push it through. So interesting. Yeah, it, I mean, um, it gets back to the complacency and fear. I mean, it really yes. you know it's it's um, so yeah. Our biggest yeah. competitor is complacency. Yeah. But talk about competition. I just need to. I just need to throw this at you, um, because I mean, in terms of let's talk TMSs, right? I mean, um, transportation management system. There's a lot of them out there, right? So, and I know that you you say Swan Leap, totally different beast, and and totally different type of a system. But you've got your Oracles, your SAPs, your got. I mean, there's there's literally I think there's hundreds of them. How would you say if I am to throw you uh, this kind of question? I'm probably you, you hear a lot as well. You know, how do you stand out um, to all the rest of the guys out there yeah um we've defined all the supply chain technologies out there uh we think fit into really two buckets and that is legacy systems and auxiliary systems and and i i think everyone would agree and we're still waiting for the people that don't agree with the idea that supply chain industry is antiquated we we believe it is and i and most of the people we talk to believe it is the legacy systems that, that you mentioned they filled a very large gap when they were all created in the 80s and 90s, and really some of them in the 2000s. Um, but what happened is they didn't evolve. They didn't, I mean, they didn't advance to meet the demands of the shipper, um, and, and they cannot support going forward the way that shippers will be using the data. For example, can you imagine taking um, one of the world's biggest um, – retailers and we can figure out who any of those would be you know whether it's you know um well we don't need to mention any any brands but we, we all get an idea let's say they're shipping a lot and if they want to run what did we do this week in in uh you know what did we do last week i mean in 2018 versus the the same week the year before in 2017 i would argue there's not a company in the world that could provide you that data what they have to do is they have to go and pull a report and they get what's called metadata. It's not shipment level detail because it's too big. And and the data is so big that you can't even open that on a PC. You're talking about files that might be 500 gig of data to pull that data down. And you can't open that in Excel. Mm. So we start looking at the what, what we're looking – you know, that's not an unrealistic matrix that you would want. What did we ship last week versus the, the year before the same period? I mean – very simple query and the, the the database and the data structures of those old systems do not provide that kind of visibility plus they're not they're not capturing parcel freight international all-in-one platform so that's one side but we can take the result of any of those systems that have table-based business rule static routing and we can take the result and backwards run that against what it would have been if it would have been a live, dynamic, artificial intelligence decision. And we can show the savings. And that's our commitment to the customer. That's what we're committing. Whether you're, um, whether you're Walmart or anybody you know, at that level, GE, all the way down to maybe a, a one-location manufacturer, we believe the savings are in that uh, – our average is going to be in that 27% range because they don't have the visibility. They don't have the ability to make those decisions, and they don't have a way to capture that data. So with all that being said, how could any any global supply chain leader possibly negotiate freight rates at this point? Our answer is they can't. They cannot. They don't have the data. 
they don't have the intimate carrier uh, network knowledge to properly get the right terms and conditions in their agreements. I mean, the job of most people is to prepare one RFP, send it out, field it back, make some selections off that, and um, and that's their supply chain plan. And we just see a, a much different approach to that, um, using big data to get the best out of every provider in the in the world and do that on every single shipment. So it becomes a truly dynamic decision. And the carrier that we, uh, or whether that's domestic or international, the carrier we chose, our broker, doesn't matter, um, that we chose this morning might not be the optimal um, provider for this afternoon's shipment. And that's what we see time and uh, time, and time again. Yes. Mm. So basically, that you have the ability to be dynamic. You have the ability to take on, um, to take kind of real time and, and, and give them that real time decision making capability, which is uh, again at the back end. If it is powered by artificial intelligence, then uh, obviously no human being can possibly compile that amount of data uh, as well. So that's 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 a big plus. Um, so yeah, interesting. Thanks for sharing that. And, and I'm just, I mean, I'm just wondering because also what is mind blowing about you guys, and obviously that's why you're number one on Inc. Uh, Inc. List is that you grew, I mean, incredibly. Right? I mean, you look at the numbers, you know, seventy-five thousand percent, so basically seventy-five thousand, uh, seventy-five times, right, from from the last uh, uh, three years, right? Your your revenue grew. I mean, how how did that happen? I mean, how did you? I mean, I don't know. It's just mind blowing. I mean, it's you know, are you that good? <laughs> well, let's let it's easy when you're small that's what my friends remind me by the way radu they say oh that's nothing when you're small they said if you do that next year we'll be impressed well i don't think we'll do that next year i think we'll be more in the in the in the 35 to forty thousand percent which i'm still quite proud of but it, it really was, I tell you what, it, it was really hard and, and really motivates me when a company flat out says no to us, especially when they try to maybe sugarcoat it by saying, but we really think you're an amazing solution and we just don't think you can handle us. And that, that happened a lot. Um, it certainly isn't happening anymore, but, you know, growing a, a technology from from like one room to you know and, and one employee all the way up to you know almost 100 employees is, is pretty remarkable but more remarkable is convincing the market that they should pay money in exchange for you so i remember going to like the first big customer that i want to talk to they did about um they were about eight million in revenue <laughs> like 300,000 or so in shipping costs and i was so nervous uh, because this is like the big, the big opportunity and, and uh, we want it. And so then I remember going to like the first $50 million revenue company, which was about um, a few million dollars in shipping costs. And I was so nervous and we won that. And so now we're getting calls from companies, $120, $130 million in freight costs. You know, that puts us at about the, you know, the $10 billion revenue range. Um, and they're saying, hey, how fast would this take to implement? Um, I remember I used to have some of my friends come to the office because we only had like four employees when we had our first uh, prospective customers want to come see our office. And so um, it, it's been that has been probably the most remarkable accomplishment is getting people to trust you when you have nothing and, and getting people to validate the system and have confidence that it can help them when you don't have a customer, how do you get your first reference? No one's going to buy without a reference. And, and that's a very difficult thing. And so um, now that we've done that, you know, are we ready for the big European companies that have 100 offices worldwide? Yes, we are. And we have the platform that, that's going to give them the visibility they need that the, the aforementioned competitors that you said, Oracle um, and, and SAP and those, they don't have that level of visibility in real time. If you want that, you have to buy the Oracle platform and then you have to buy um, uh, auxiliary technologies to work well with the legacy platform. So major, major companies in Latin America specifically, um, you know, some of the automakers, uh, some electronics companies, and you can imagine those big makeup companies down there, they, can't, they don't want to spend the, the big, big dollars on a global uh, uh, transportation management system, TMS. Because even if they were to implement that in in kind of the tier two market, maybe Mexico and 
and, and Brazil and, and Chile and Argentina and things like that. If they were even going to spend the money, it wouldn't give them the tool they still need. They need to control from France what's going on in South America right now. I want to see what we did this week versus last week. That Those those questions can't be answered in, a, in that kind of table that's not connected live to the carriers. I want to see we're considering our global strategy in a new freight forwarder, and I want to see what the performance has been in this region by this freight forwarder. That's not a question that can be answered by anyone in the world right now, not shipper nor technology provider. So what what the major companies have done that I, I mentioned is they've basically gone to uh, global 3PL so that they at least could call somebody and someone's going to go and start to kind of um, – you know, put together some spreadsheets and stuff to try to make sense of this and take that off the plate of the automaker or the major airline or whoever. So they kind of have a way that they've dealt with getting that info, but that's not an easy metric to get because there isn't a technology that can hold it. And so we are the only ones that I've ever seen that have that power and that flexibility and that and, and, and that level of innovation on not just the AI in execution of inbound or outbound, but in that real-time visibility and analytics. And and that's really what has is accounted for our growth. We haven't been, you know, um, bringing on 30, 50 new customers a month. I mean, we're adding probably five to eight new customers a month, major companies. And um, you know what? It's uh, it's going well. And our onboarding has gotten to the point where our account reps can actually turn on accounts. It doesn't need much programming anymore. We've really even automated our own processes internally. And we're ready now for mass scalability you know we can launch a company with 60 locations we can do that in 60 days um and and we've done it and that was a major that was one of our major milestones that we hit um you know launching a 50 million dollar freight spend company in in 18 days that that's those are real um from start to finish training integration testing um that we've done so um that's really what's been the, the secret of our growth is the flexibility um the fact the tool is unlike any other um, and uh, and truly, we, we do replace, we are in the process of replacing our first uh, Oracle OTM um, solutions. We have won against Oracle before, but a lot of that, to be fair to Oracle, was uh, based on price, I think. Um, you know, Oracle might have been $700,000, $800,000. We might have been about $300,000. So uh, that, that was good for us to, to have those early wins. But now to actually unplug that and plug us in, um, we're making some strides in that space, and uh, and we're excited about that. Mm. Super. I mean, it really, really, um, yeah. I mean, really interesting. And and uh, and and how do you? I mean, okay. So obviously, uh, again, you know, you 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 will grow. Uh, you will continue to grow. It's still incredible numbers. But how do you plan to sustain this? I mean, how do you plan to maybe come? Do you plan to come to Asia? Do you plan to go and and open in Europe? I think for now you mostly have the team in in US, right? Uh, yeah, U.S. Um, we're in the process of establishing in Latin America right now. I think Latin America is a, is a wonderful market um, for us. I speak very good Spanish. I wouldn't say fluent; it's close, but uh, definitely fluent Portuguese. So it's it's not it's also a passion of mine, Latin America. So it's just we're just kind of getting pulled down that way right now with some opportunities that we have. So um, Asia Asia definitely has a lot more complexity, um, a lot more language. Um, intricacies and you know different markets use terms differently even within the same language so that, that's that been good for us um, I'm really excited about some of the possibilities in Africa uh, I think that Africa is really wide open as well Eastern Europe is certainly good um, Europe is Europe I think is a little more crowded not from a valid solution perspective but from a message I think there's a lot of folks there trying to do similar things and I think it would be it's very difficult for a, buy, a European decision maker to differentiate between all the different messages out there. I mean, there's lots and lots and lots of technology companies out there There that um, I don't think a lot of those technology companies quite know why they're not going to um, be able to make it. But basically, we see a lot of the legacy guys. We don't see anybody in the legacy category, meaning you're loading your rates, you're loading your business roles. I don't see anybody surviving the next five years. According to just some of the statistics we've read from Deloitte, alone about the adoption of AI and the rate of AI. I mean, we're talking about within the next five years, more than 60% of the company leverage, or 60% of the companies in the world leveraging AI for their supply chains. And um, I don't see any company out there that is actually has a good handle on what that means and how to execute that other than us. Yes. 
And 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 how do you? I mean, I just want to ask. I forgot to ask you this question, which is slightly technical, but it's very important, and we got it for a few from a few of our uh, listeners. And I think it's important also for the clients, of course. Um, the confidentiality and the confidentiality and and basically data confidentiality. And how do you how do you basically protect that for your clients? Because I think you, uh, if I read correctly, you, you quoted that you know you represent your capabilities honestly. You protect confidentiality. You do not misrepresent. And you only make promises that we can keep. But I think data confidentiality is a big, big, big um, concern for most people. And I just wanted to get your thoughts also on that and how you do it. Well, one one thing that I, I think is um, a little frustrating for me uh, internally is um, I, I people people come to us like a major, major carrier, major, major freight forwarder and go, how much do you guys spend in this part of the world or do you spend in this part of the country? And I can't give that answer. I was asked by a major carrier, how many transactions did you guys do year to date? I, I don't have that answer, Radu. I, I, I cannot get that answer because we set up every single client as its own um, as its own database instance. So we have siloed all of our clients from one another. Um, so we don't have the ability to share. We have found the market doesn't want to share their providers. They're, they're fearful if they do that. Um, if if we if they share their providers, um, then they're afraid they're not going to have them available to them. So, um, yeah, data confidentiality is huge, and in, in in some of the some of the healthcare laws, as even uh, with HIPAA, um, I think has caused a lot of big pharma to be overly cautious to the point of being a little bit, I think, cross the line. Um, for example. Um, they don't want us to store address level detail in a system that they're trying to make labels from. I, I don't know how it's, it seems quite odd. Um, sometimes just the level of concern that some have for confidentiality. Um, we're still told by many of those companies that they can't be in the cloud because it's not secure. Well, the CIA and the NSA are in the cloud in the United States. You know, that the top security um, in, in intelligence um, offices in the world are, have belief in the cloud and so I think that's still maybe a little bit of a generational change that we'll kind of continue to work through um, but certainly this data can't be processed anywhere else and on-premise so you know like, like anything when when we hear the cloud's not secure we can't use it I, I just know if we call them call that company back in a month that guy's probably not going to be or that woman's not going to be working there anymore so <laughs> it, it's okay same, that's same absolutely true. that is absolutely yeah, yeah. true <laughs> Same principle as the the, the shipping uh, the shipping person that wouldn't use or is too is too busy not to use it. Guess. Um, and uh, yeah, it is true. It is true. I mean, I don't know if it takes a month. I mean, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Unfortunately, for the companies, typically, um, it's it's unfortunate because they they would have you know they would have uh, saved money or they would have been faster at adapting if they had gotten rid of that person faster. But sometimes it takes a little bit of time for them to figure out where's the bottleneck. Uh, the the larger they get, typically the larger. The, the more difficult it is to identify those people that maybe are a little bit blocking the progress, but such is life, right? Um, and and uh, and I wanted also to kind of move on to the to and, and coming to the, the last couple of questions uh, to move on to to what we do a lot in terms of you know um, people and, and 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 hiring and and getting the right type of people on board and especially in the fast type of environment and fast growing type of environment that you are you are in. What are some of the qualities and some of the attributes that you're looking for when you're hiring your your you know your leaders and your your staff really? That's one leader. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult measure. Um, I, I've gotten a little bit removed from the hiring lately. Um, I'd like to get more involved in it. It's it's um it's difficult. Um, it, we've had a lot of people that have called us that wanna that want to um come work for us. And as, as appealing as it is to get a list of customers from our competitors or whatever, um, that's a big flag for me that if someone's willing to sell out their own current employer to come work for us, I mean, what do we think gonna, they're going to do to us, right? So um, that's been challenging um, because I want to believe that a, 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 customer, a, a salesman or an operations person from our, one of our competitors would be great fit here with a better tool. But then again, that comes with challenges. I don't know if they have a, workforce um do, you know do not compete <clears throat> um we could be getting into a whole ball of wax if we start calling on some of our competitors customers off a little bit of a proprietary list so 
it's been challenging because it's tempting. It's tempting to get these good professionals that are having success with a lesser product. But we've stuck to our guns and really tried to hire two of them outside the industry and brought them up to speed, just good at people with good integrity. Um, I think that is sometimes a works against us because a lot of our staff didn't do 25 years at a major carrier. But you know what? When we start peeling back the layers of the onion, if you did 25 years at a major carrier, how much innovation have you experienced? What's your vision of the market? You probably have a very small view of the industry based on the, the training and the playbook that that, that provider gave you. So um, it's, it's challenging. It, it's super challenging. Um, we just want you know, good integrity people with a lot of energy that want to be part of something cool, you know, that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder a little bit for, um, for authority uh, from the perspective of not taking the status quo as gospel, uh, you know, in our industry. So when, 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 when some of the research firm put out research firm put out the list of the top technologies, let's ask the question why, right? We refuse to play nicely with them at this point. Um, I don't want them telling our story. I don't want them saying, yeah, but Swan Leap goes after this size account. I don't want that. I, I'm not. I'm not interested in in getting, receiving any coverage from any research companies. We're doing just fine. Um, telling our message uh, on on trade show um, stages um, and, and and that shows and in our marketing. And uh, you know what? We're having a lot of fun doing it with uh, good people. So. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, and, and and it's great to be on on really good podcasts like ourselves as well. So that that's better. <laughs> And 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 um, um, I have my reservations also about all this. Uh, again, not to name, but there's one particular one that's fairly large. That uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, research, uh, uh, whatever. So okay, so not not going into that. But um, what would you say that in terms of you know in terms of uh, this space of growth that you have? And again, I think it's if we had to talk from people's perspective, let's just strictly relate to the people's perspective. What's your major challenge, right? I mean, how do you keep up with this pace of growth? How does your team keep up with your pace of growth? And what's, you know, I mean, I guess what's the biggest challenge in keeping up with this growth? I mean, it, it, we built a system to scale from the first customer. So it's not a system issue. In fact, we're, you know, we're, we're seeing where we're having, you know, some things we need to make faster. I mean, we're constantly working on the system. Um, I mean, our biggest challenge is probably the human capital perspective. I mean, how do we launch into Canada? How do we launch into these markets? Um, you know, the, we have about 80 employees worldwide right now. Um, how do we make that 200 employees? Um, and, and actually pay, you know, enter, just entering a country takes like five attorneys. I mean, you know, you have to have five different, you have to have a trademark attorney, a corporate attorney, a tax attorney, an employment attorney. I mean, so just battling, just talking to all the attorneys is a, is a full-time job, right? We don't have a person to do that. I think that person starts in January. We're hiring a global attorney to work to talk to the other global attorneys. So um, there's a lot of challenges in scaling this fast. And uh, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful for Jason Swanson, our CTO. Um, we don't have the typical... Um, types of tension and wedges that partners have and business partners have. I mean, we have a wonderful, um, our, we took on investment capital from two, um, two, two people in Madison that are more, it's more family money. Um, and it's, it's not a significant amount um, in, in the eyes of global venture capital, but it, it's a lot of money um, to a family for sure. Um, and, and they've been great. They've been great advocates and, and, um, and support throughout, you know, as, as we go through new challenges every day. So um, just, just talking to our, uh, you know, being able to talk candidly with your partner and, and have nothing be off limits and, and really getting to the root of it has been um, really good for us. But uh, those are the keys I think for us to keep going is continue to seek good people, not necessarily good credentials. And um, I, I just turned one down today. I really like the story. I think he could help grow our business. I didn't like some of the things about the the person um, and their energy level. And, and I, I don't know if I was in the heat of a battle and I looked next to me, if he'd be next to me or not. I, I don't know. I, 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 I need to know for sure because we are in a battle. We're in a global battle right now with, with very, very, very big companies to um that are that have every interest in the world to try to discredit us or knock us down or whatever 
because we are coming up to take over. And, and so we need to know that the people around us, you know, if I have a, uh, if I hire a new, a new person that I, I, I look next to me in the, in the middle of a, a dog fight and they're going to be there. So uh, exciting for the new crop of people that we have and, and how we've been able to evangelize the, the, the message and, and, uh, and, and really convey the vision. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely new challenges, but it's re definitely rewarding. Yes. Yes. And, and, and just to kind of add on, on terms of the, in terms of the lawyers and stuff. So in Singapore, it takes half an hour to register a company in Estonia. I think they have a, I mean, as you know, there's, there's a couple of pockets of this type of countries, which are just incredible uh, for you guys, especially for you on fast track to, to expand. So there's, there's a few, uh, there's a few, uh, very few actually, unfortunately, I mean, I think hopefully more, but there's a few places in this world where it's really, uh, kind of uh, kind of straightforward to set it up and, and, and get it up and running. So just, just putting it out there. Um, well, South America is tough. It's quite, there's quite a bureaucracy and uh, oh, yeah. so we're experiencing yeah. that. And, um, you know, we're currently, we're currently beta testing some, some uh, programmers and in, in some, some other Latin American countries as well. Um, and, and really what, what it's important for us to make sure that we're um, embracing global diversity, not just in, um, uh, different nationalities, but you know, in, in different, in all all the different um, genders, uh, sexuality, I mean, everything. It, it, uh, diversity is a very important aspect to us of building a well-rounded company that um, is going to be able to listen to new ideas um, and and truly uh, think differently um, in in different regions and different um, you know parts of the of the industry. And um, that's been very fun for us and rewarding to to be to create that kind of environment that. All voices are heard. Hmm. And and looking back at the story, uh, final question from me. Looking back at the Swan Leap story so far, you've come a long way. What would you say that are some of the things that make you most proud? Hmm. I think um, I'm really proud of uh, the way that Jason Swans, our CTO, and I have been able to weather any storm. And, and certainly there's been... You know, like any business, there's been you know ups and downs. Of course, you know um, I'm proud that we've been able to finally get the message at a platform where Target Corporation likes the message and says, "Yeah, you're absolutely on point." Um, that's really that's really um, validating for me that you know we had the idea. A lot of people ask me, "Did you guys ever imagine this kind of success?" Yes, we absolutely did. We built this business because we saw the opportunity and the opportunity still exists. We don't believe that anybody will come and compete with us from inside this industry. We think that the, the, the major competitors that we're going to have in the future are going to come from outside the industry because we think that if you're already in this space, you're a little bit um, contaminated in your mind about how things are supposed to work. And I think that some of the fresh ideas coming out of um, – some of the some of the major um, tech centers in the world, I think they're good ideas. It's just that the people don't really understand supply chain and global supply chain, and they don't understand carrier networks. They don't understand shippers. They don't understand planning departments. They don't understand um, corporate IT bureaucracy uh, for project attention. Um, but somebody will, and uh, and I and I know that we need to stay sharp and we need to be good. We need as good as we think we are. We need to be better, and um, and uh, so. At the end of the day, uh, I'm proud of of our ability to not be satisfied uh, with with the success we've had, but push harder, faster, um, and 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 provide an opportunity for our employees. Super. Well, look, Brad, uh, it's been it's been inspiring. It's been it's been very uh, very exciting to hear to hear all the the different uh, different stories, case studies, sharings, uh, war uh, war uh, you know war experiences that you've gone through so far, and uh, I'm sure that. Uh, moving ahead you will have uh, even more like we discussed before the the podcast i think the challenge will never stop the journey will never stop it's just an ongoing type of transformation where you face different types of problems but uh, the problems will, will continue to come but as long as you keep going i think swan leap seems to be on an excellent trajectory um so uh, i personally uh, wish you guys a uh, 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 lots of success and and hopefully when we catch up again uh, you know you will have uh, kept up the pace and uh, you next year you'll still be your number one on the on, on inks list well i'm i'm quite certain after visiting the ink and, and meeting all those brilliant entrepreneurs i'm quite certain we won't be number one next year on the ink list but 
Um, I'm hoping for top 10. I, I think we got a good chance of, 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 of passing the top 10, um, Mark. I mean, we're in good economic times uh, at the moment. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that there's been um, some wonderful other success stories being written as we speak. So um, it, it's just, it is a truly big honor to just be included in that list of just brilliant, brilliant uh, minds. So. Super. Well, great to have you, Brad. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the time. And we stay in touch. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow us on radopalamario.com slash podcast for all the show notes, links, and extra tips covered in the interview. Make sure also to subscribe to our emailing list to get the news in the nick of time. If you're listening through a streaming platform like iTunes or Stitcher and you like what we do, please kindly review and give us five stars so we can keep the energy flowing and get more people to find out about our podcast. I'm most active on LinkedIn, so do feel free to follow me to stay tuned for our latest uh, articles as well as future guests for the podcast and if you have any suggestions or any other idea please feel free to write to me i respond to all and also please make sure not to miss our next episode where we will be having a few other c-level and top leaders in supply chain joining us stay tuned